0: Okay, so o- over the last few weeks, we've been uh, based. We've been doing a series based in the book of Romans, in and around chapter 12. And as we've been going through this series, we've been looking to see three things. Firstly, how can we be a church filled with all sorts of people that love God and want to worship Him with everything we have? Secondly, how can we be a church filled with all sorts of people that love and serve one another? And then thirdly, how can we be a church filled with all sorts of people that love the world that God so loves? So we spent two weeks looking at loving and worshipping God. You can hear their, those sermons on, um, online. And then uh, when Vlada came last week, he, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he spoke on Romans 12, but that was purely by chance. He, he had a free, a free kind of hit, do whatever you want, and he came and preached right in the series we're, pre- we're preaching through. So that was, it just felt like God's obviously got his hand on this series as well. So, um, and then we get, today I'm starting two weeks looking at how can we be a church filled with all sorts of people that love one another. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 12, and we're going to be looking uh, at, at verses 3 to 8. Uh, but while you're looking for, for that, I'm not actually going to read it For a few minutes, because I want to get you ready to read it. Um, The reason being is sometimes, um, if if we when you uh, go through a a sermon series and you kind of cut things up into smaller chunks, that's really helpful because it means you can get right down into what is the meaning, what is Paul trying to say through this um, this passage. But you can miss some of the flow of what he's trying to say, some some of the thought, kind of the overarching theme. Of what he's trying to say. And so um, I wanted to remind us of some of what Paul had already said beforehand. So, two weeks ago or three maybe, Paul Brown spoke from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And in that sermon, he just made the point that worship is not just an event that takes place, but it's a lifestyle given over to God. So, when Paul the Apostle was writing Romans, he was writing to a group of people who would very much see worship as we go to the temple, we, we make sacrifices and we worship God. And Paul was saying things have changed because of what Jesus did on the cross. In view of God's mercy, things have changed. And our lives now are spiritual acts of worship. So worship is uh, not an event, although events, this being together is great, but it's, it's a lifestyle. Okay? And in the same way, I want to say today, church is more than just an event. Church is more than, now listen, I love coming along to church on a Sunday morning. I love it. I've been doing it for years, okay? There's definitely, I just love hearing all the words we had this morning. It was so exciting to hear and hearing sermons that encourage and inspire the opportunity to meet together. I love all of that and it says in, Rome, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, it says, do not give up on meeting with one al- another like some are in the habit of doing, but continue to encourage one another. And so we want to make sure we're being obedient and, and, and doing what God told us to do, ke- keep carrying on meeting together, especially when you think of Sharon and Lex, who haven't got the opportunity to do it in the way that we get to do it, and they haven't got the freedom to meet together in the way that we have. You just think, man, thank you, Lord, that we can do this. Um, so I love meeting together, but it's more than that. See it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 46 it says every day the believers continued to meet together in the temple courts and then it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So when when we just when we're doing life together we are being church Maybe you've been slaving over a stove this morning, getting ready to invite because someone's coming over for dinner. Well, when that person's together with you, what you're doing at that moment is you're being church with one another. A group of us went and uh, spent a day, uh, I've got to be careful here, plucking, what were we plucking? (laughs) Plucking partridges. (laughs) Partridges. And just looking to encourage one another, we went for a men. I should tell you, we went for a men's uh, weekend away. <laughs> Who went to that? Hey. Yes, good. Hey. Who did? Wh- which men didn't go to that? Hey. Uh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just that was just such a great opportunity to get together and encourage one another. And as we were doing that, we were being church. On a Friday, a group of of parents, a group of mums, have dedicated their, their kind of time to go to Fab Fridays and serve the local community in Drummond. What they're doing there is they are being church. And there'll be times when you're just sitting at home and you feel like, I need to pick up the phone and just talk to someone and just encourage them and see how they're doing. And at that moment, when you do that, You are being church and the reason I say that is because I'm about to read about how God gives us all spiritual gifts in order to benefit the church and my fear is if you think church is an event that takes place once a week a lot of you might think I've got not I haven't got much to offer I serve on a team, but I don't feel like that's God's given me a gift for that, or maybe you do. But there's the danger of, if it's just Sunday, it's, it's a limited view on what church is. But if you've got an understanding, actually, church is living as a community, church is living as a body, then actually you can see, oh, I'm always using my gifts. God's always challenging me to use my gifts in certain ways. So that's... Um, and that's what I want you to bear in mind as we go through this. Okay, so we're a community, we're a family, we're a body. So Romans 12, verses 3 to 8 says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in acor- um, with sober judgment in accordance with the faith then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to give, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you that we're, we're gathered here today. We're part of your body. Lord, thank you for City Hope. But God, I thank you, Lord, that this, this goes on throughout the week, Lord God. And, and you're constantly bringing us in line with one another and we can in- encourage and challenge and help one another on a daily basis, Lord God. And I pray that as I, as I speak, Lord, there'll be people here that suddenly realise what gifts God has given to them in order to serve the church and for us to serve one another. Lord God, I pray we would be encouraged to look to grow in our in our gifting, Lord Jesus, but also just to keep a humble heart, Lord Jesus, to know that every good thing that we have is a gift given by you. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about having a healthy mind, and we're going to talk about having a healthy body. Healthy mind, we're going to look at verse three, and then healthy body is verse four to eight. So healthy mind. I've stopped clicking, haven't I, already? I don't think I ever clicked. Are you all right just to keep up? Is that right? <laughs> the Apostle Paul often talks about the importance of our, of our minds. The way we think has a massive effect on the way we live. So if you've got a, a healthy way of thinking, then your life is going gonna to act in a more healthy way. If you've got an unhealthy way of thinking, then often your actions will be unhealthy as well. And so Paul was very aware that our minds were an important battlefield in one sense. And in uh, Romans 12 verse 2, which we looked at last time, Paul talked about how Christians need to have their minds renewed. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So he was very aware that as Christians, we need to go through a process of our minds being changed. That's what he says in verse two. Then we get to verse three. And verse three is a development of what is already said in verse two. So keep in mind, he's been talking about we need to see our, our lives trans- or our minds transformed to become more like the mind of Christ. And it says in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Okay, I think I know this verse quite well. Um, I've, I've been leading worship for a very long time, so I've been to, uh, I've, I've listened to seminars, I've been, I've listened to podcasts, I've read lots of books, and um, often when you lead worship on a Sunday, um, you're kind of, if you go to a conference about something like that, there will be a preach on Romans chapter 12, because we need to be reminded that this isn't worship, okay? L- a li- worship is a lifestyle, okay? So I've, I've, I'm very familiar with this verse. And um, the problem was, as I started preparing for this, I realised for all these years I've misunderstood it slightly. And, um, and I just couldn't understand what it was trying to tell me. Let me e- try and explain my problem with it. I'm going to go through the verse slowly. I'm going I'm to kind of put it into three different sections and then hopefully you'll see where my problem is. Let's see. So it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So when I think of that, I think of, okay, this is where I am. Thinking of yourself more highly than you ought is like, I think I'm this good, when really I should think that I'm this good, because that's how good I am. That's how I read that first line. Are you with me on that? The second line was, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So in other words, that's a kind of a reversal. you're, You're thinking up here, and it's like, no, sober judgment. So in other words, have a realistic appraisal have a good understanding of your abilities and their limitations that's the way I read that bit does that make sense good okay and here's where my problem was because it says in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you and I found it really hard as I was reading that and actually I looked at quite a few commentaries and I feel like they kind of ignore that last bit in accordance with the faith God has given you. See, if I was Paul, I would have written something more like this. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the level of natural ability God has given you, or in accordance with the level of skill God has given you. That would make more sense to me, because basically he's saying the same thing three times. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment, bearing in mind how good you are or how bad you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then that doesn't make sense to me because that's not what this, um, what this verse says. It says, Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And um, with the help of John Piper... Uh, a theologian, and with the help of a few other people, I feel like I've got a better grasp, so I'm going to share that with you now. If you want to make an assessment of yourself, base it on the depth of faith God has given you. Don't base it on the level of ability or skill you have. If you want to know how strong a person you are, look at your faith and say, how much am I trusting in Jesus? How much am I grateful for all that he's done for me? Because we live in a society where we're kind of egotistical and constantly thinking, what can I give? What can I do? How can I show how great I am? But this doesn't allow us to do this. This makes us say, it's nothing to do with me in one sense, it's just the grace of God on me. Um, So, Excuse the um, gender exclusivity in this next bit, okay? There's a saying, do you know, like, there's quite a few sayings about how to know, the m- how to work out the measure of a man, have you heard of that kind of saying? Yeah. So you've got Plato, he says, the measure of a man is what he does with power. Joe Biden, who was a, um, what was he? Vice President. Vice President, well done. Anyone know, let's see, does anyone know what he said about it? Okay. Uh, You should have, it's a boxing metaphor. It says the measure of a man is not how many times he gets knocked down, but how many times he gets back up again. Well done. J.K. Rowling says, if you want to see the true measure of a man, watch how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. Okay. So we've got lots of different opinions on how can you see how great a person is. But actually what God says is the way you measure the greatness of a man is how much God's done in their life. Um, I, 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 for, I like the message, the way the message, I don't really like the message very often, <laughs> but I like the way the message puts this verse. So I'm going to read verse three in, in the way the message puts it. It says, living then, as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misrepresent yourself as people who are bringing goodness to God." No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. See, there are some very gifted people in the world. There are incredibly gifted people. Minds the size of, you know, how do you think in the way you think? Their their natural ability will just just put you in awe you'll be like wow how how incredible is that person but actually there's a sense of all of that ability all of that wisdom all of that perceived knowledge is futile if it doesn't kind of marry up with faith in God because one day they'll stand before God and they'll say, he'll say your wisdom what did it mean because they didn't trust God for everything they need So there might be some people that think I'm valuable and useful to City Hope because I'm a a wonderful musician or I have a great singing voice. And God would say, listen, you've got a great gift, but what I'm more concerned about is the faith you have. You might have some people that say, you know, I've got a lot to bring to City Hope because of my strong prophetic gift. And God would say, that is wonderful, I've given you a gift of prophecy, but more importantly than that, how's your faith in me? Are you putting your trust in me day by day? Do you think I am enough for you? There'll be people that maybe think, God's given me a gift of generosity, and so I'm very liberal with giving out of myself or my finances or whatever. And God would say, that's wonderful, I'm so glad that you've got a gift of generosity, but what I'm really concerned is, how's your faith going? Are you trusting in me day by day? You see, the old way of thinking, before our minds start getting renewed, the old way of thinking is obsessed with what we can offer, what we can uh, give, what we can prove, but our new way of thinking says, Christ is everything. Everything I have is a gift of grace given by God and he's decided to give it to me. And so we just thank him for it. Amen? Amen. So that's the healthy mind. Healthy body. Verses 4 to 8. For just as each of us has one body with many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to give encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's to give, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So when the Apostle Paul talks about the church, he often use the metaphor of it being like a body. So here in, in, in Romans, but also in Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, Ephesians, um, you, you find that he picks up this image of a body. And it's a very simple thing. It's like I've got a body, different parts of my body do different things. My t- big toe helps me keep balance. My foot helps me to stand. My, f- my legs help me to move around. My arms help me to pick things up. My face just makes everyone happy. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. I hadn't written that down. Um, but we, we've all got different, you know, our bodies have all got different functions. Okay. Now, Rogério, do you want to stand up, Rogério? <laughs> do you want to put your hands in the air? Oh, good. Okay. Look at that. Can everyone see, Rogério? How's your hand, man? Better. Oh, good. Yeah. No, <laughs> Now, how, how frustrating has it been that your hand has been out of uh, action? (laughs) Brilliant. Wonderful. No, that's good. And, and, but that's the thing. Our bodies have all got different functions. But actually, if we lose a part of our body, it's not just that part that gets upset about it, it's the whole of our body, okay? So your other hand, you kn- and your body has to compensate. So in other words, if you don't have a particular part of your body, then you're, you're in some way slightly weaker for it. And in the same way, as a church, this tells us, and he tells us, in fact, I, I think they um, read it in Peter as well this morning, someone who, who brought it Marlon brought it in, in, in the message of Peter as well. Um, this church has been, uh, is filled with individuals and God has given each individual gifts. It's not just one gift, many gifts. And, all of, and the gifts that God has given you are to serve the church. It's to, so that we can serve one another. Now, the, the lists, I should just say, the lists that Paul makes of gifts... That's not an exhaustive list. There are other gifts. Um, I, th- I was reading in systematic theology that there's like 27 gifts if you count them all up. But he would say, the guy that wrote this, actually, that's, he's not trying to give you a comprehensive list. There's loads of gifts that God gives out to the church. And the question is, what gifts has God given you and are you using them? Because if you're not using the gifts that God have, has put in you, then our church is weaker for it. It's like we haven't got a hand working or we haven't got a foot working. And so I want to challenge us today, and it, it would be a good thing if you're in a connect group or just meeting up with mates. I, you know, We did this at the weekend as well, uh, the men's weekend. Just challenge each other. What gifts have, has God given you, given you? Or tell people what gifts they see God has put into them. Because what we need to be doing... Um, is using our gifts so that we can become stronger as a church, so our body can grow in that sense. Um, While we were away at the weekend, one one of the kind of things that came out a few times, I think Pete spoke about it and then a few other people did, was the importance actually of us encouraging one another in order to go to the next level. and and the importance of us using our gifts in order to go to the the next level of growth as a church. And one of the things that's been quite exciting recently are things like uh, John Greenway and the team have been doing the the school, what's it called, Bible school, and that's a really great way of people saying, God's put gifts in me and I want to grow in those gifts. Your connect groups, your connect communities are all ways that are helping us grow in the gifting that God has put in us. So don't just take it for granted that you just turn up and do whatever. Commit to growth. Say, God, you've given me gifts, you've given me a certain measure of faith for that gift, now help me grow to the next level of faith. Because then, as a church, we grow. Now, is sometimes people find it hard to work out what their gifts are. Um, and the, the two ways of doing it is, one, what makes you tick? What, what do you care about? What I think um, Vlada talked about it. What zeal has God put in your heart? That will give you a good indicator as to what gifts God has put in you. Because the gifts enable us to do what God has called us to do. Okay? So, so there's one way. Ask, what, what has God put a passion in me? Number two, ask other people. What do you see in me? What giftings do you see in me? Uh, Rick Warren, I always find it hard to say his name, Rick Warren, um, when he talks about spiritual gifts, he gives you two things just to be aware of. Firstly, he says, beware of gift envy. And secondly, beware of gift frustration. So gift envy, the idea is, um, it's not that God's put a gift in you necessarily, it's that you see a gift in someone else and think, oh, I wish I had that gift. And you just get a bit jealous or you try and make it happen. Now, it's not wrong to want other gifts. It says eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Okay? So there is a, a healthy way of wanting gifts that you don't have, but there is a dangerous thing uh, of, of gift envy. And then the other, the other danger with gift is gift frustration. So if, you, if you've been given the gift of serving, and there are people in this church, well, I, I mean, serving in this church is phenomenal. Uh, you know, there's, everyone's got a degree of a servant heart in them. But there are some people that you look at and you think, man, they, w- they just love serving. They just, it's what they want to do, it's what they're doing all the time. They're just phenomenal. They make things happen in the way they serve. Now, the, if you have got that gift of serving, the danger is is give frustration. So you look at other people and say, why aren't they caring about this as much as I am? Or why aren't they putting in as much effort as I am? You see this in the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, Which one? Martha is at, no, Mary is at the feet of Jesus, Yeah. yeah? Martha is out there serving, and what's happening to her, she's getting frustrated. Now, I don't know whether this is the case or not, but I wonder whether there's something God's put on her A kind of gift of serving and yet she's getting frustrated because her sister isn't in the same (laughs) in the same place and actually so we need to be careful that we don't get frustrated or that we don't get envious of other people's gifts. Um, I'm going to skip forwards now and just uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions and then finish with the best example. Question one, when you strip away the business of church and the craziness of life, how strong is your faith in God? So in other words, if you were told, actually, I don't want you to do that ministry anymore, or you haven't got the opportunity to serve in this particular way, how strong at this moment is your faith in God? Because that's the thing you need to keep a close eye on, your relationship with God, your faith in God. Second question, what gifts have, have, has God given you to bless the church with? If you don't know, talk to someone about it. I bet, I bet within 30 seconds they'll be able to tell you, this is one of your gifts, definitely. Okay? And, and pray about it. Ask God, what, how can I do that? And secondly, are you functioning in that gift? God's put something on your heart, but you're not actually going to do anything about it. You're not functioning in your gift. So make sure you're f- functioning. And the third question is... Oh, no, that was the third question. Sorry. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. I just want to finish by just talking about the ultimate example of uh, servanthood. So I don't know if you know the story of um, the sons of Zebedee. They come to Jesus, or the, their, their mum, so these, these sons are, are both two of the disciples, and uh, their mum comes to Jesus and says can you grant it that my two sons sit on either side of you in, in the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You wouldn't be able to drink the cup that I've got to drink. And they say, yeah, no, we'll be able to do that. That's fine. And uh, a little bit later, the, deci- the other disciples find out that these two disciples had asked Jesus that they could sit next to him. And the disciples get all cross. And then Jesus says this, and, and This is the difference between the kingdom of the world and the ways of the world and the kingdom of God, right? Top down. If we allow this to kind of penetrate, it's stunning. It says, Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become the greatest among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be a slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to, ser- to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You wonder, why, why does it matter that we serve one another? It's because Jesus is ushering in his kind of kingdom, the kind of kingdom where he where he serves us. I just find that incredible. J.K. Rowling, right, I'll go back to to her quote. J.K. Rowling said, if you want to see the true measure of a man, watch how he treats his inferiors. Jesus, the son of God, giving his life up for us. That's incredible. That's incredible. And if you ever find yourself getting a little bit proud, a little bit arrogant, a little bit, look what I'm giving, look what I'm doing, just stop for a second. If you want to become the greatest, then you've got to become the least, just as Jesus Christ did. That's, that's how it's going to work in his kingdom. Amen? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. I'm just going to pray I just want to encourage you, the great thing about having tea and coffee is one, it's nice tea and coffee, two, it's an opportunity for us to encourage one another. So when you're having your conversation, it's, you know, find out how everyone's doing, but encourage one another. If, if it's uh, an opportune time, why don't you talk about the gifts that you see in the person you're talking to? Why don't you ask them, how are you doing with that? How is God challenging you with that? Um, I, I just want to throw it out there. Let's not just have small talk. In our tea and coffee today, yeah? Let's, let's, let's challenge one another and ask God to speak into our lives even through that time. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you you've been with us today. I thank you that you are always with us as we heard in the worship, Lord. You are just so stunning, so wonderful and you serve us so well, Lord God. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray help us to have healthy minds. Lord, I pray, God, we wouldn't be people that base our confidence on on what we do and what we give and all of that kind of stuff, but we would base our confidence in the knowledge of you and everything you've done for us and who you are to us. Lord God, and give us a healthy body, Lord God. May every single one of us be functioning in the thing you've called us to do, Lord God. Pray, help us call it out of one another. Help us encourage one another, Lord, so that as a church, as a body, we would become stronger.